0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your
1: other host, Jane.
0: And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're starting the third book in the Crane Chronicles series the serpent's shadow Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and jane uh, i believe you wanted nope. to start us su- what's up
1: i thought you were about to try and like blindside me and say oh you were supposed to do the summaries this week
0: that would be a terrible mean thing for me to do i would never do that you've done it
1: repeatedly <laughs> uh
0: but i i did want i i know you said that you had prepared a special pre pre uh summary segment for us you said you had something you really needed to talk about before we got into this.
1: Uh, I actually did. I didn't mention this to you, but there was something that I was just kind of interested in and doing a little bit of research on.
0: I've been cyber stalking you. I know. <laughs> I haven't really, but I just i have i I have a special connection in my heart with Jane, so Aww. I I understood that you had something you wanted to bring up. So what is it?
1: Uh, mostly just uh, googling around trying to figure out if this counts as sicklet <laughs> Uh
0: huh.
1: <laughs> I i think it falls into the no category because this this is slightly getting into the chapter but i'll keep it brief walt is just kind of such a nothing character that it doesn't even come across as exploitative Uh (laughs) uh-huh so it gets it gets a pass for now but i pretty much as soon as walt gets more focus i feel like it's going to go in that direction
0: that's fair i mean (laughs) uh what i thought you were going to talk about was these new the new covers on these percy jackson books
1: oh fuck we forgot to talk about the percy jackson covers (laughs)
0: Uh, i'm desperately searching twitter to try and find them for like the seventeenth time uh they they are getting new covers for the whole series and uh have you have you seen these jane
1: uh yeah you showed me them a little while ago uh they look very cool
0: i i definitely like them uh the art is done by let me surely oh uh award winning illustrator, vic, vic victor and the guy and you know pretty pretty good uh i like all the all the images here
1: yeah it's, it's possible that um i i'm glad that you like them as well because i can never tell if i'm just like desensitized to good cover art by the shite uk covers
0: uh-huh <laughs> Now i think they're uh, would they be my favorite maybe i think they have a definitely like a different mood like i feel like mm. this is like oh this is the collector's edition it feels like even though i don't think it is um but it's, like, oh, like, the Lightning Thief cover, uh, like, the one that I remember with, like, Percy standing in the sea holding, I think, like, the lightning bolt and, like, looking at just, like, the skyline or whatever. Yeah, I think uh, I definitely
1: prefer that one.
0: Each, like, I feel like the original covers or the ones that I always think of are a bit more, like, they have that that, that kind of, like, a gloomy mood almost, like, you're in for, like, a, a dark adventure. Especially um,
1: Last Olympian with that just, like really great like silhouetted shot of black jack with percy on the top and that like gray sky
0: definitely uh these are these are more like i guess outright heroic almost with like really interesting imagery they sort of have these like grand m- mythological like oh the first one has the lightning bolt and the all these all these really good, like oh, it's the three weapons, right? The yeah. second one has like Talia turned. I like actually, I really like the second one. Looking more into it because I see that that's like a ship sinking while Talia is like. Oh turning. yeah. That that's really cool. Um, oh, the Titans curse is good too. I guess it kind of spoils what the Titans curse is, but <laughs> uh, that's fine. Oh wait, all of all of these are really good actually. Now that I look at them, you know, I I super appreciate this.
1: These these are really good covers. I think I still prefer the original U.S. ones, but these these are still really good. I wonder if these are coming out for the U.K. editions.
0: Wait, wait! I I'm I'm scrolling down, and Happy Valentine's Day from Reed Riordan. What the fuck? Uh, okay, you can't. This has a little bit of like Heroes of Olympus spoilers but we asked some of our favorite women from across the verse what they have planned for this year's Galentine's Day and here's what they had to say the, uh, this is uh, this year we decided to forego the whole who belongs with whom debate and instead celebrate something we can all agree on the importance of female friendship wait what is this website? what is Read Riordan? is this like an official website?
1: I assume that has to be official right? because it's, got, it's so. got like quizzes you only find quizzes on like the uh, websites that the publishers put together on the author's behalf
0: yeah, and it has, like, all the Rick Riordan books, but also all the, like, Rick Riordan Presents books. mm
1: mm-hmm. so,
0: Um, Annabeth. I have a huge architecture project I need to complete for class, so I'm staying in. Unless my friends want to stand perfectly still and pretend to be marble columns while I sketch out blueprints. Somehow, I don't see that happening. Uh, Thalia says, Every day with the Hunters of Artemis is Valentine's Day. We're doing a secret gift exchange, though. I'm... <laughs> huh. <laughs> uh... There's just so much here. Damn, I guess them they, bitches
1: gay. Good for them.
0: The, yeah, so true. Uh, Rachel, oh, Valentine's Day? Oh, yeah, I, had, I I just had a prophecy about that. It went something like this. You shall go to a spa to help you relax, only to find that your credit card's maxed. Your friend shall bring you a lovely cheese plate as poor consolation for no Valentine date. This is wild. I don't know. It's, like, so bland.
1: It's uh, it's very bland. Rachel, I don't know what you expected. You kind of brutally dumped Percy in the middle of a like world-ending battle.
0: Yeah, and it was like it was like good, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's what happens. Uh, maybe, maybe Rachel will find new romantic ventures by the time of uh, by the time of the end of Heroes. I can't fucking talk today. <laughs> by the end of Heroes of
1: Olympus. It's alright. It's not as like if you're just you're just about to talk for an hour about something or anything. Anyway, yes, those are the very like flanderized. Fandom versions of the characters. Anyway, summaries.
0: All right, let's get right into it. Chapter one, and we're mixing it up a little bit here with the order. Sadie, we crash and burn a party. Sadie starts off the recording by congratulating the listener on a surviving doomsday, and then gets into the start of our story. Six months after the events of the Throne of Fire, the Canes are meeting with J.D. Grissom and the other magicians of Texas's 51st gnome at a museum party hosted by J.D.'s wife Anne in order to discuss the potential of an attack on their local TUT exhibit. Apparently, Apophis has been hitting museums to destroy copies of a certain artifact, the Book of Overcoming Apophis. They've also brought a number of Brooklyn House's other senior kid magicians as an elite protection squad, but Grissom is pretty confident his own defenses will keep him safe. They head further into the museum to show him the book, but on the way, Sadie gets sidetracked by a man's face coming out of the wall. She names it Uncle Vinny, and it tells her that she'll need to save him in order to defeat Apophis, to save the Golden Box, and that the offer will expire tomorrow at sunset. Nobody else seems to have seen the vision, though, so they all continue and reach the book. Although the Book of Overcoming Apophis is an incredibly common artifact, Apophis is specifically destroying copies written by the villainous magician Setne, so they think it may hold the secret to defeating him. Unfortunately, Sadie has no time to read the book before Apophis begins to attack, and Grissom runs back to protect his wife and fellow magicians of the party. And when the children are all alone, that's when the room's obsidian cryo come to life, block the exit, and say in the voice of Apophis that no one will leave here alive. Chapter 2. Sadie. I have a word with Chaos. The battle is a disaster, and Apophis almost immediately destroys the scroll, despite Sadie's efforts at shielding it, so instead they refocus on stopping him from destroying the golden box Uncle Vinny mentioned. Each of Brooklyn House's rank tries to stop him, but he thwarts them all with ease, including Carter, whose leadership Apophis declares doomed. Sadie is only barely saved by Walt's timely summoning of Hindenburg the Camel, and in the chaos, she realizes what she's got to do. While having Walt protect her, Sadie peers into the duat, and, after a moment of being freaked out by seeing Walt's duat form shrouded in mummy cloth, and seeing the great red coiling snake wrapped around the room, she channels the power of Isis, and uses the most powerful divine word of all, ma'at, order. Apophis retreats deeper into the duat, and Sadie passes out, She wakes up in the underworld, where Isis and the ghost of her mother tell her not to blame herself for the deaths, that she'll have to convince her father of her plan when she makes it in order to save the souls of the dead, and that they love her. Then she appears before Anubis, who is only able to see her because she almost died because apparently he's been forbidden from seeing her for the last six months. He tries to tell her one final thing before she leaves, but she says he'll need to say it in person or not at all. When she wakes up, Everyone is gathered around here in the ruined King Tut exhibit, and the Golden Cabinet is saved, but every single one of the Texas magicians is dead. Chapter 3 Carter We Win a Box Full of Nothing. The Brooklyn House magicians don't have time to study the damage, all too familiar, after the same disaster had befallen the gnomes in Toronto, Chicago, and Mexico City. They have to fix what they can of the museum and the exhibit before the cops arrive. When they're done, they leave on a boat pulled through the sky by Freak, Carter's Griffin. While in the air, Carter feels the weight of every decision he's made as her leader. When they touch down at the mansion, Bass greets them warmly, though she regrets having to stay behind to protect Brooklyn House instead of fighting with them. Everyone's torn up, some worse than others, like Walt, who's only able to get up and around because Jazz has been tattooing him with pain relief hieroglyphs. In the great room, the kids who stayed behind greet them, including their youngest, a group they call the Ankle Biters, one of whom, Shelby, shows Carter the picture she's been drawing of a dead Apophis. Then they head to the library, and after ushering out Cleo the Librarian, Bast reveals to Sadie and Carter that the cabinet is King Tut's shadow box, which they work out contains Thutten and She'ut, the fifth part of his soul. Sadie and Carter try to ask Bast if Apophis could have a shadow that could be used against them too, and she seems reluctant, but they're interrupted by a message from Cleo and Khufu. Someone is saying Carter an urgent call on a scrying bowl. Chapter 4. Carter. I consult a pigeon of war. Up on his balcony, Carter gets to his scrying bowl, which he's been using to talk to Zia for the past half a year. She's pissed off that he didn't tell her his plans before going into Dallas. Every gnome has heard about this destruction, and many are saying it was their fault, including the rebel magicians who left after Amos became the chief lector. The leader of the rebels, Sarah Jacoby, you know, the one who caused the Boxing Day tsunami, even broadcast the message for Carter, demanding his surrender and execution, along with accusing him of releasing Set, and so badly unbalancing Ma'at by collaborating with gods that Apophis began to rise. She's seeking to become the new chief lector, and has already turned or defeated most of the European or Asian allies. Carter wonders why the message wasn't directed towards Amos, and Zia seems to imply there's something wrong with him, despite the post-possession healing he went under. Zia also warns that Jacobi will probably attack Egypt's first gnome soon, and that they will likely lose, especially with Zia being stuck in the boat of Ra half the time. She's worried that if she isn't there to keep an eye on him, the other gods might get frustrated enough to destroy the sun god outright. The call ends, and after a bit of wistful photo-gazing, he opens a suitcase to look at a carved statuette of Apophis that Sadie, Walt, and him made as a plan B in case they need to sacrifice themselves to execrate the snake. Horus shows up, then, in the form of a pigeon, to say the idea is stupid, and also that if Carter wants to know more about shadows, he should talk to Thoth, because he's a nerd. That also reminds Horus that ancient Egyptians used the word sheot for both statue and shadow, and Carter wonders if Setna's Book of To Overcoming Apophis doesn't contain a spell to bind Apophis's shadow. After Horus leaves, Carter sleeps until the next day's afternoon, while the others are at school. Apparently, the Brooklyn house kids start going to a nearby academy at the start of the fall semester. At dinner, everyone's spirits are pretty high because their school's first dance is happening that night. Carter has to bring down the mood, though, by catching them up on Zia's message and revealing Plan B, the execration. He says they need to visit Thoth and find out how to catch shadows immediately, but Sadie says it'll have to wait for after the dance. So, Jane, what would you think of the chapters today?
1: Uh, I, I really hope that the game Chronicles is just kind of like suffering from being the side series that rick was knocking out in between um focusing more heavily on like heroes of olympus that's it that's probably the most damning thing i can say about it but
0: (laughs) yeah i'm guessing this isn't the level of quality you'd like to see from the heroes of olympus no it's
1: just it's about the same as throne of fire i'd say Uh uh-huh just kind of not none of the issues i had with that have it really been addressed
0: We'll go into what some of those are. I'd like to hear more.
1: Uh, The action is, uh-huh. like, I think at this point it's become, like, a consistent weak point of this series.
0: I think it's improved a bit. uh, Not enough to <laughs> actually,
1: like, matter. I, don't, I, it's, I feel like it's better than, like, the big bombastic end fights from um, uh, Throne of Fire. Uh-huh. But that's because those were like particularly bad.
0: It was like watching a CGI boss fight in a fucking Marvel movie or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. Whereas th- these are on the same level of like basically functional flatline that the rest of Kane Chronicles has been on.
0: Uh huh. Which
1: is a shame because the action was so often a highlight previously.
0: Yeah, that's that's a that's a big problem. Like the the fight with Apophis I don't know it just like was the, was the like timing I don't know the pacing for that fight didn't feel right yeah. like it's it like okay this is happening now I guess and it's like it's not like there weren't cool moments like there was especially the time that uh, like there was the part where it's like oh he's like dashing from object to object possessing them I thought that was like kind of interesting Uh, but it just like was like so uncompelling and like a a nothing fight my eyes were just glazing over the whole time
1: and i think it partially comes down to the fact that apophis is still such a shit villain yeah it's like he he falls for the um oh i bet you won't uh stop doing your objective and try to kill me gambit like played completely straight with no like leveraging of like maybe his personal foibles or anything like that CD just does the trope and it works, and it just kind of makes it impossible for me to take him seriously.
0: Yeah, it's like when that happens to, like, I don't know, Set, which I think even Set, like, resisted that. Uh, mm-hmm. When that happens to, like, a different, like, a minor villain or, like, a villain who isn't the villain of the entire, like, series, uh, then I, I can forgive that because it's like, okay, it's a common move, but it is, like, functional for a reason because it plays on the antagonist's pride and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh And, in fact, it was, like, the culmination of, like, all of the last Olympian uh, was that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how they defeated Kronos. Ha- this isn't... Apophis ain't no Kronos.
1: He's really not. I mean, there's there's also, like, just after this happens, uh, one of his sphinxes slips um, in a puddle, just a complete unforced error. Uh, and the other one gets taken down by a farting camel, which is like party ponies invading level of defanging the villain. Except in this case, it's not Luke who is like an important but ultimately secondary antagonist. It's the big bad of the entire series,
0: right? Because I think there's a lot of room in action for humor,
1: right? And oh yeah, that- I-, I think. That- Sorry, I just. To, to clarify, I'm absolutely fine with this in like, a normal encounter. Like, that's part of, like, the lifeblood of these Riordan books, to be honest.
0: That's exactly but, what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, Rick Riordan is no stranger to being able to incorporate those elements. Somehow, sometimes he does not know how to turn it off, though. Like, oh, oh, well, there's got to be this farting camel in the middle of the, this big attack that is supposed to, like, for all intents and purposes, that st- set up the stakes of this book because a lot of people end up dying at the end of it. <laughs>
1: And it's so weird because it seems like such a slam dunk to, like, you know, you do the funny shit in the fights with the more minor villains and with the, like, basically monster of the week that they'll meet, like, chapter to chapter, and then you turn that shit off with, like, Apophis or Kronos because they're more threatening, and it brings that across to the audience by making the tone more serious.
0: And you can even even do the humor thing in, like, a really dark segment like this, but the way that it's structured makes it fail, because Mm -hmm. when you when you want to do humor like this, I, I think of like, I don't know. I think of like, a, there are certain scenes where a character will like, they're just like laughing it up, yucking it up. You know, they're having a good old time. They triumphed and, you know, silly things are happening, but then mm-hmm. they'll like turn their head and there will be the, like dawning realization of the horror that is actually around them. And that can work pretty well. And that is what this is going for. But I think it would have worked better if there wasn't like, Oh, Sadie gets knocked out And goes to talk to her mom And her like other mom And Anubis for a bit And then she wakes back up
1: and everyone's dead Every character has a magic vision Every 30 seconds in these books We complained about it when it was just Percy getting there When he dreamed but apparently we didn't know it was a good thing when we had it
0: (laughs) Yeah And I think we said in the first book, like, oh, well, you know, if this is just like a part of how this functions, but it, it, it it's, I think it would need to be like a multifunctional thing for that to be true. It's mm-hmm. always just the exact same shit over and over again. Like you see a brief glimpse of like, like it's either like, oh, you're seeing the villain and they're doing something bad or, and we, we saw that with like, oh, sets in the pyramid. Oh, is manipulating Desjardins. And we saw, we get like, oh, you see a glimpse of like a god who tells you to do this thing, or else like you see Anubis and want to kiss him. Like, those are the three It's always exposition. It's always just an exposition. It's never, it's it's rarely like care, it's rarely like chewy in a way I want. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the juicy character bits. There's nothing for me to think about. It's just like, okay, I'm learning new information.
1: Uh, This is a much more minor point, but kind of semi-related. Uh-huh. I call bullshit on, um... When Walt has basically brought a bunch of battle penguins into this fight. Not Walt. Felix. Uh Uh-huh. And when they get killed by um, Apophis' minions, they, like, melt into puddles. And that's what one of them slips in. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I'm calling bullshit on this. Those are not magical construct penguins. We saw in the last book that those are real penguins. Felix teleports them in from the Antarctic They're they're real penguins They should have been roasted alive
0: I mean I guess maybe he's been (laughs) studying penguins Long enough that he can like Construct magical Snow penguins or something I don't know you can't you can't realistically
1: you can't just like have a penguin get roasted alive
0: that's exactly it you can't But i'm
1: still gonna mercilessly pummel rick for that
0: yeah okay if we're talking about like (laughs) retcons there's a i don't know why this stood out so fucking much to me did you notice this when kwai the exiled magician came up again That some there was a little something about him that changed uh no. Okay, so last book we learned about Kwai. He's one of the rebel magicians, and we, we mm-hmm. learned that he was exiled to, to North Korea for his crimes. Uh-huh. Uh, we we hear from Kwai again this time, and Carter mentions that, oh, it's Kwai, the magician from North Korea, who was exiled. Oh. Wait, With, so, and I, I went back and checked the other book. This is just a change. This is just like written. You don't get exiled to the
1: place you live.
0: No, he just like forgot, I guess, what it, he wrote. I mean, it could
1: just be a case of like, I mean, he was exiled to North Korea, so technically he lives there. No. So he's from North Korea.
0: <laughs> no, I need to read you the exact line.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I recognize the blue robes and shaven head of Kwai, who'd been exiled from the North Korean gnome for murdering a fellow magician.
1: Okay, so he was exiled from the North Korean gnome.
0: But he, last episode, he was exiled to the North Korean gnome. That's what?
1: very strange. Did
0: he fucking kill two people? Did he get exiled <laughs>
1: somewhere else? <laughs> I mean, I I guess he might have done. I mean, he's been killing people. Yeah, but that just seems like a continuity error. It's just like, it's such
0: a little thing, but it feels so, like, careless that I'm like, it it just feels like, okay, well, this is what kind of book this is now, I guess i mean uh if
1: you're bothered by that i've got another uh, whopper for you in terms of the like weird uh continuity error go ahead isn't walt supposed to be fucking dead
0: <laughs> uh-huh wait why what do you mean because he
1: fucking said in the last book like oh i'm pretty sure that at the rate i using my magic i'm not gonna live past the return of apophis which at that time was predicted to be in a couple of days
0: i guess he was wrong
1: <laughs> he was wrong it's fine uh, see, I would be willing to excuse it if it was just like, oh, you know, Ra coming back healed everyone in the house and it healed Walt as well. But I went back and checked and it specifically points out that Walt is not healed by Ra.
0: I don't know why he It he's... makes a
1: point of saying it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Why. I mean, maybe he got a little bit of extra lifeblood in it, but at this point I'm just covering for the book, right? Like, I... Yeah. <sighs> and there's like some cool imagery here that's being used for Walt. Like, oh, he's like... Covered in mummy shrouds when Sadie sees him in the duo. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, like he's covered in these, like, pain-relieving tattoos. That's 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 cool, too. I'm
1: um, well, just going to be treated like an opioid addiction.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> fucking... Oh, God. Walt is still largely just a swing and a miss for me as a character.
1: I, get, I, I mean, this is what I mentioned earlier, but, like... <laughs> I can't even be mad about Ciklit stuff because, like, he plays such a minor role in the story that it doesn't even feel like he's being exploited for Sadie's character development.
0: Right? Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know this.
1: There's good stuff too, though, right? Uh there, there are some moments I liked. Uh huh. Um, there's the beat that when they go back to Brooklyn House and go to the library. And they're talking to uh, Cleo, the librarian, who is like, we hear that she's very much not a combat person. She can't handle that kind of shit. Uh-huh. So she mostly sticks around in Brooklyn House. Yeah. And I really like that she is, like, fixated on the part about, oh my god, how could Apophis want to destroy this book? Uh-huh. When, you know, he wants to destroy the whole world. Yeah. And it just, it feels very, very human that, like, she can't comprehend that. She cannot grapple with that. So she's focusing on what she does understand, which is destruction of book."
0: right um because we get it's like her way of coping with things like she's yeah. she's smalling it down to be like oh I can I would get mad about a, the destruction of a book if it was from anyone but like I, I'm using it to like not think about how the world is about to end yeah uh, oh which uh, is another thing we learn from like the beginning paragraph is that Apophis will swallow the sun in this book huh uh, so I guess oh, that's, yeah. that's that's something to look forward to
1: uh should be interesting
0: yeah along with that i think that like some pretty good work has been done with just like the the brooklyn house kids in general like i i think that the way that like they are just like accumulating children is like in like the six months is uh terrifying Um, i thought it
1: was extremely funny that uh, another retcon i guess (laughs) we're we're just lousy with them today is rick saying that for the younger kids their uh, parents gave consent
0: well, for like I think they mean for like the, the new young kids, like the kids who were like three years old or whatever.
1: I guess it just it re it's just weird given that like the whole premise of Red pyramid, like the thing that the book was fundamentally built around was we are making this tape so that you know to run away and go to Brooklyn house.
0: yeah, like largely this is not a thing of like. This this doesn't feel like a thing of, like, oh, get your parents' permission. It's like, okay, I think you're thinking of Camp Half-Blood again, Rick. Like, I think... Yeah. Which I guess also isn't always a thing of get your parents' permission. But, the, like, when I think of, like, permission slips, I think of Camp Half-Blood.
1: I don't know. They get runaways at Camp Half-Blood.
0: No, for sure. For sure. I just mean, like, that That feels like more of the vibe there than here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, have they, like, have they, like, filed with the government in the past six months or something? What's happening? <laughs> uh, but, like... Oh, like, but actually, this is another kind of weird thing. Like, Shelby is, like, she's one of the ankle biters. I cannot tell for the life of me how old she is. Because she's, like, said to be, like, in kindergarten, but I feel like she's, like, written like a three-year-old.
1: Yeah, she's doing, like, crayon drawings of, like, Apophis getting stabbed with knives.
0: Yeah, she's like, Carter, Carter, look, kill, kill. Uh, She's like, kill snake, kill snake. I'm like, is this how a kindergartner talks? I don't know. I mean...
1: There's maybe one area where we just have to, like, concede that Rick's a teacher. I guess so. He probably knows more about how kindergartners talk than we do.
0: I guess that's fair. I haven't been a kindergartner in a long time. <laughs> I guess I just... How old are kindergartners?
1: Uh, five, I think.
0: Five? I guess. I guess maybe I could see a five-year-old. I don't know. It doesn't matter, I guess. It's just like... <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean,
1: if if they've been taken out of any kind of schooling and have been sent to this like weird cult in Brooklyn.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Might not
1: be great for like language development.
0: Uh-huh. And Carter Carter is now the leader, the full leader. Uh, apparently he asked Sadie to take responsibility and she said no. Um uh, and so he's just the leader of everything now.
1: You know, actually the we get a bit about that in the first chapter. Uh And it does something that annoyed me in Throne of Fire as well, but I forgot to mention it. Which is that we're told that Carter had a bunch of character development, but it was all between books. Right. Like, Throne of Fire, it's like, oh, Carter is stepping up and taking more responsibility because he's learning to be a teacher. But we barely get to see him be a teacher.
0: I mean, there's, like, the one really good scene. I feel like that's, like, enough. I I
1: suppose.
0: I, I don't want, like chapters upon chapters of carter teaching these kids things no
1: definitely not but i mean it does it does feel like an element that wasn't particularly well established and same with same with this chapter opening with like oh carter has taken on a lot more responsibility as leader of the first gnome he's really growing into that role is he? he we didn't see that
0: he's described as uh having a bit more facial hair now uh so you know time has passed uh, Okay, but the
1: fact that he's cutting himself while shaving is, like, that's very Carter. Definitely. I like that.
0: His his dad isn't around.
1: You know he's tried to, like, shave his hair with a Korpesh, right?
0: (laughs) Oh, God, he has. (laughs) Uh, Like... I, I want to read more about the wacky adventures of these kids in this mansion all alone, I guess is the thing. <laughs> like, when I think about what could be really interesting, I don't think about, like, oh, the grand mission to save Apophis. I want to hear about, like, the day-to-day. I want to hear about, like, oh, what's it like for all these kids to have this weird Egyptian magic cult school?
1: Right, because, our, like, our perspective characters are, like, invested in that. They give a shit about that. Whereas Apophis, it's more a case of, like, they have to save the world, but it's not personal in any way.
0: Something that I did appreciate, like, that reminds me of, um, the, the when I opened this book and in, like, the first chapter heard that they were, like, going around the world gathering pieces of an artifact or whatever, <laughs> I was so fucking angry. I was like, oh my god, it's the exact same thing again. Um... <laughs> But it looks like that's that's kind of like subverted in kind of a funny way when Apophis just immediately destroys the
1: last artifact there is. I was I was very glad when that happened. Yeah. Although it kind uh, of seems like the rest of the book is going to be trying to reverse engineer what that artifact was. Which a, a little bit better, not not the best, but a little bit better. Not the best, but it is going to involve going back to the uh, base pro pyramid. So. Uh
0: huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird that Sadie is like, oh, you know, Isis, she's she's a bit rough sometimes and she has a bit of trouble with perspective but she does care about me in her own way. When, like, didn't the last book end with Isis, like, leaning down and whispering, like, you deposed my son and if you did it for no reason, I will slit you armpit to asshole.
0: Yeah, she's like, oh, you know, the gods, they don't really think of us as more than, like, little toys or, like, pets. But, like, Isis had a pretty strong opinion there, Sadie. like i I get that maybe like, she still has this like motherly affection for her. Um but <laughs> it seems like she had a she had one disposition and now she's like she's like, join with me, Sadie Kane. We can rule the world, <laughs> which I guess like, is... I can't
1: I can't tell how much it's supposed to be like Sadie is in denial about this. Because in the same conversation, um, Isis does have a Freudian slit where she's just like, yes, you can overcome this, Sadie, and then we'll rule the world together.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, like... It,
1: in, Sorry, in that... defeat Apophis, that's what I meant to say.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> the, the like, interplay between her and her mom is like, I, I wish it was a little bit more, but it was, it was cute, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like you're right to that extent it's like oh you know it's not a total like or change of what isis's like feelings were at the end of that book um mm-hmm. but it does it's just like oh okay we're back here now <laughs> same with horace to an extent
1: yeah i i really feel like there could have been some space to acknowledge that stuff here uh-huh because horace horace shows up in carter's room and he, he makes the sales pitch again he's like this isn't working, fuck Ra, let's just recombine and take on Apophis ourselves. And I feel like, like, the reason that Carter turns him down in the text is he's, he looks like a pigeon at that point point. he's not very impressed. Uh-huh. But I feel like the reason should be that Carter, like, he knows that the Ra plan has gone wrong. He knows that combining with Horus might be the best bet at this point. But he also knows that Horus will kill him and everyone he loves if Ra isn't pivotal to victory
0: yeah yeah that's I feel like
1: that should maybe form the basis of why he's refusing and that'd be like an interesting conflict for him
0: it could be that and that would be really good because then that would show that like oh Rick Riordan is writing these books and paying attention to the words he writes and then <laughs> making them like like consequential. Uh or it could it could even be something a little bit less like, oh, like he doesn't want to fuse with Ra because he's like made his decisions as leader and has decided like oh yeah, now that, that would work. Now that I'm becoming a general like my dad and uncle are or whatever, like I've gotta to stick to my guns. Uh but that's not really it either. Like, he's not being foolhardy, and he's not being, like,
1: wary. Like, he's not being safe. He's just like, I don't want to. Yeah, he's just like, haha! you look like a pigeon. You coughed up some feathers. I'm not combining with you. I did appreciate Pigeon Horus. That's that's a cute image. Pigeon Horus is very funny. Yeah.
0: I guess we're going to see Thoth again, though, so that's that's cool. Thoth is, Thoth is fun. Okay,
1: I thought about this. Uh-huh. It's fucking weird how little we've seen of Tho throughout this series.
0: It feels like he should be so important because he's like the chief yeah. god of the, the, their
1: gnome. He's the god of, like, like, not just their gnome, like the entire house of life, right?
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: Like, he was the one who set up the idea that like, oh no, the, the whole gods thing is fucked, let's seal them away and uh, stop doing divine magic. Like It feels like he should be showing up in these books way more.
0: And he's been in one chapter and, like, mentioned a couple times in the last one.
1: Well, no, no, he showed up in two chapters. He gave them a side quest to Elvis Presley's house, then took over the Baspro pyramid.
0: Of course, of course, you're right. (laughs) It's... I want... I understand why he's not, like, always here, because we have a lot of other recurring gods. Mm -hmm. I, I could probably take Thoth over, like, the Anubis stuff.
1: Can we please please have some development of sadie and anubis relationship
0: it's the same it has, shit
1: it has been at sadie thinks he's dreamy for three books now
0: there was more development last book where they literally kissed yeah at the beginning of the book and then it's just like oh i couldn't talk to you for six months i'm a loser a little teenager i don't know what to... <laughs> I, I, my parents told me no for like six months and it's... I, I'm feeling Sadie's frustration here. Don't fucking talk to her unless it's in person.
1: Sadie, just pick Walt.
0: J- just pick Walt. I don't <laughs> care that he's going to die in a, a day or whatever. Just pick him. <laughs> <laughs> just so you, you, will
1: have, you will have a much more fulfilling relationship with someone who doesn't disappear for half a year at a time. And he clearly likes you. So it feels like, you know...
0: Yeah, and she likes him, too. She's like... yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm. And I'm still. She,
1: she's like, oh, do I have a crush on Walt? It's complicated.
0: It's like, yeah, it's complicated because there's a fucking seven million year old god courting you, <laughs> or whatever. Seven million. This is like, oh god, this is kind of cursed. This is like the like, oh, I'm a ten thousand year old dragon, but in the body
1: of a six year old girl. <laughs> oh, shut <laughs> up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs>
0: Sorry. It's like the inverse of that, like evil. I'm a 6000-year-old No, it's not old... it's the same
1: thing, isn't it? Huh? It is is the exact same thing.
0: It is kind of, it's I'm it's the exact same thing. It's I'm a 6000-year-old god of death um that I'm in the body of a teenage boy.
1: I'm in the body of that bloke from Twilight.
0: <laughs> He's fucking Edward. <laughs> He's so Edward. It's so funny. I there, Okay.
1: There is just so much about these books that is like of their times when you think about it for a second.
0: It's like <sighs> It's endearing a little bit. Annoying at other points.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, like, things that are of their time, and I know this was in the last book, too, but now that she seems to be, like, the main antagonist or one of them for this book, Sarah Jacoby is just such an uninspiring, like antagonist part like some of it i like i like that like oh she's aiming to become the chief lector that's kind of interesting um she's obviously like just another like i don't i if if this becomes like oh she's just another agent of apathos i'm gonna scream but <laughs>
1: but she is she literally explicitly is because she worked for Menshikov.
0: right how i mean how much did she know i guess though
1: and she was like she was exiled and she was willingly working with demons she had to know something was up
0: that's probably true it's it's gonna be the same thing but like there's a little bit of like oh she's a slightly more interesting villain than Menshikov. but like I feel like this is the same shit you get in like a Harry Potter level book where you like when you, when you describe <laughs> like a like what is a in like this era of like young adult literature when you're talking like what does a villainous woman look like and like oh she's like she puts on too much makeup and she she's like sallow and like oh she has short spiky black hair it's like it's always it's always the short spiky hair with evil women in this kind of book i feel like
1: it is it's the short spiky hair it's the being osama bin laden it's the (laughs) (laughs) she's worse than him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i mean specifically the like the like sending out um like messages like we will destroy you for the things that you're doing and then like footage of a decapitation is like very much the pop culture image of osama from this era
0: yeah it's incredibly like it's incredibly like prototypical terrorist threat video Mm-hmm. it, it feels like something i would see in a riverdale episode though it seems like something <laughs> archie would send out he's like you know i'm 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 starting the town security guard of teenagers. Be, be
1: what careful. The fuck? What? What are you uh, talking about? You know, never mind. <laughs> okay, Barry, I've only seen the first season of Riverdale. That's true. I know that it's it's supposed to become more unhinged later. I'm kind of confused about how that could happen, but...
0: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's it, it's very Riverdale. It's very terrorist. It's very It's very blah- It is just
1: like insert villainous trait here.
0: I think the only part of this that kind of works is I think like more works at the beginning where it's like, oh, you find out in kind of a weird order, not in a weird order, but kind of like revealed to you over time after the Texas magicians die, it it's kind of like unfolds that like oh this is like the fourth time this has happened for these kids they've been going around from place to place and this is just happening over and over again I think I mean, that I ca- we had
1: learned that before they died
0: well we knew that they were going to the other gnomes and the Apophis was attacking them we didn't realize
1: that like every single magician of those gnomes died every time yeah we did did we Carter says like they never left any survivors oh well
0: <laughs> fuck me then I don't know <laughs>
1: That, that whole scene is kind of, like, weird and toothless.
0: It could be really good. It could be.
1: I I know that you... You know, it's a it's a YA book. You're not gonna show, like, gore and, like, blown-up people lying around everywhere. But I feel like walking around and amongst it and seeing that there are no bodies was, like, unnecessary.
0: Yeah, you can just say that there are bodies, or you can say that there are a bunch of dead people. You don't have to go, like, in, Like, okay.
1: You can, like, just imply the gore by like having sadie say like oh god i feel nauseous and like covering felix's eyes or something
0: yeah exactly and the again like i think i understand the impulse to want to go for like carter reaches to the ground and picks up the belt buckle or whatever (laughs) i understand that impulse it it's unnecessary if you want to go for the impact just like have it be there have have there be some like presence to it because now all i can think about is oh he disappeared them to some other planet and all the magicians are gonna come back at the end of the book
1: oh gosh, you might be right this is and if you just
0: if you just said that there were dead people there or something then i wouldn't be thinking about that for the rest of the fucking book
1: yeah i you know what? i hadn't considered that but you're right that is like That is like returning dead character 101. If you can't see a corpse, they're not dead.
0: God, it's, and I don't even if it doesn't go there, it's still going to bother me a little bit.
1: (laughs) Again, even even without that, it is just like weirdly toothless as like a scene of devastation.
0: Definitely. The 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 impact it leaves on the kids afterwards is, again, like, a little bit better. Like, we see that everyone is really shaken up. We kind of go into, like, how that's affecting each, each of them individually. I, I like that. Um, especially because, like, Apophis, like, goes after each of them. Like, like kind of strikes at their, like, insecurities and stuff. I mean, realistically,
1: tells us that they have insecurities for the first time. Because we've never had significant characterization for Alyssa or Felix.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. But,
1: you know, I mean... You need to backfill as hard as possible in the last book when you've done this little.
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh, this should have been a longer series, but it shouldn't have been. It should have just had a different focus. It could have been a really good three-book series with a different focus than Saving the World.
1: I feel like it could have been a three-book series with about 20% of the page count of each one cut.
0: <laughs> yeah. But even then, sometimes there's like, oh, we didn't get enough like of this to justify something. So yeah, I'm, What I really wanted from the Kane Chronicles Was like a big World like a big Globetrotting adventure series mm. Where we like meet a bunch of interesting Characters we see a bunch of Like we see a bunch of different things I just Didn't want it to be the whole world Again and it's the whole world again And I don't care i i just don't care very much and i know that we're gonna get to the heroes of olympus and it's gonna be like oh the whole world is threatened and i know that we're gonna get to the fucking magnus chase and it's gonna be like oh ragnarok is gonna happen and i know we're gonna get to the trials of apollo and it's gonna be like oh the whole world is threatened again and i'm just so (laughs) exhausted already
1: it just it feels like because I mean, the world was threatened in like Percy Jackson. Yes, but again, there was like there was personal stakes in that. People like had shit to deal with with the villain. But in Kane Chronicles, it just feels like insert conflict here. We need to propel the plot somehow, and I can't think of a way to write something more small scale and compelling. So.
0: If, yeah, I just, that's the problem, is that he needs to scale it back. If King Chronicles had been, like, I don't know, it could have been more interesting, it just could have been cooler, it could have been so much cooler.
1: He did the opposite of scaling it back. We went from Kronos is going to, like, destroy, quote-unquote, Western civilization, which, I mean, wouldn't necessarily mean everyone dies, to Set is going to just literally glass North America...
0: Yeah, to, like, Apophis is going to eat the sun, destroy all... Yeah, Apophis all...
1: is just going to blow up the sun.
0: Yeah. It's it's getting bigger, and I I hate that. I, I just wish Same. there was something... If Heroes of Olympus came out and it was, like... I don't know. If it turns out to be, like, the entire first book is about the... I've read the first book. I know it's not about this. But the entire <laughs> first book was, like, oh, there's a... There's bullying there's bullying at camp we gotta figure out the bullying i don't know I'd, I'd be more compelled than a fucking world ending
1: mystery i would kill for a whole book just about like petty camp half blood politics same because that's that's stuff's always so good when we get it in the percy jackson books
0: yeah and I, and just like here i would have killed for this series to be about the magicians mm-hmm. and like about their actual like relationships to like Divine magic and the gods and stuff, that's not what this series is about. This series is about big snake, eat son, have to kill it. Yeah. And all of the character arcs are being flattened in a way I really don't care for. Like, I think Carter and Sadie are becoming less interesting to me in this book.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I hadn't, I mean, I gotten that from Carter because he had all his character development off screen, but I still kind of like Sadie. What's, I, what's not doing it for you?
0: I like Sadie too. I just, I'm not hooked. Okay, I like that the book starts with her, for one. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly it's Carter. Mostly it's Carter I have the problem with. It feels like his yeah. character arc is becoming so, like, traditional, like, become a man, you know, like that kind of thing,
1: basically. Not not to dip back into the poisoned well that is Harry Potter, but it's kind of like the Neville thing. A little bit, yeah. It's a little bit the Neville thing, and I don't like that.
0: <laughs> the, the scrawny nerd has to grow up and learn how to be
1: a war hero used to learn to be a man, TM.
0: God, um, Sadie... I just don't know where Sadie's gonna be this book. Like, I don't really get what her thing is yet, so I guess that maybe that's what, what my deal is. I kind of knew what Sadie's deal was in the first episode of... Uh, of... The Throne of Fire.
1: Yeah, her, her whole thing was, like, feeling alienated and distant from, like, her mortal friends. Yeah. Uh, and we just haven't gotten anything about that since.
0: Yeah, we... <laughs> Was that? that
1: Has she she talked to Liz and Emma in the past six months? Has that come up at all?
0: Okay, actually we do know that this has kind of been resolved in a way because we know that everyone is going to school now. We know that everyone is like having that
1: connection with like the mortal world again. God fucking damn it. What's up? That the thing you just said, because you're right and it's just another thing that was like a character that was resolved off screen
0: oh fuck you're right (laughs) oh god you're right I mean yeah yeah you're entirely correct Uh, it looks like we're gonna go to the school so maybe there'll be more like diving into that in that way Um, I hope
1: so I do
0: know maybe this is a bit of a spoiler um I, I, I know that this is where like the one crossover happens that's in the main series oh shit but as a as a consequence of uh, how we're doing this podcast, uh, it will be with characters you do not know. I believe. Fuck's
1: sake!
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we're getting this series out of the way. I was so, yeah, no, I'm 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 fine with that. <laughs> I was so optimistic for the Kane Chronicles. I. I I know you know this. I know that you know that I was like so hyped for this, even like sometimes more than like Percy Jackson. I've been so disappointed with it, and I'm still very disappointed with it in these first four chapters of this book.
1: I, I like that we're doing a series autopsy in the first four chapters. That's not a good sign. It just
0: feels like it's <laughs> needs to be over. I know we have like what, like four what is
1: twenty four chapters? Something like that. Oh wait, yeah, there is something else we need to rag on. Okay, what's that? Uh, we complained last book about how, uh, Rick seems to have just, like, sped up the ticking clock slightly and reused that plot device. Uh-huh. We're down to two days now. Two We're... days to find Uncle Vinny and save the world.
0: <laughs> hey, Uncle Vinny, you've got another, like, weird Italian man to meet, uh, Jane. Now, after, to replace Mad Claude.
1: <laughs> God, bring back Mad Claude, please. Please bring back Mad Claude. One of the, one of the only good parts of, um, uh, Throne of Fire.
0: Who's Uncle Vinny going to be?
1: I don't know. Did they say that they know Sadie? I don't think so. Uh,
0: hmm. It's going to be... He said it's like the spirits of the dead or something, so it could be Mad Claude. I'm, this is my theory. It's Mad Claude.
1: <laughs> no, because Mad Claude, like... I mean, I feel like Mad Claude's description evoked like, something very different to, like, mob uncle.
0: He's, he's facing... He was like,
1: greasy, used chariot salesman.
0: Yeah, Uncle Vinnie is like a face on a wall. Yeah. Uh I don't know what he'll be. He's maybe he's literally King Tut. Fuck.
1: Cuz that would explain why he knows where the shadow is.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh okay, well I guess this is my theory now. It's, it's <laughs> King Tut. King Tut?
1: It's no, that's Tommy. uh that's Hindenburg. Okay.
0: <laughs> and with that, I think we're all wrapped up. Uh what a what a I don't know. I hope this episode didn't suck, but
1: <laughs> I feel like I feel like we can get away with a couple of negative ones in a row. Pe- people stuck through Sea of Monsters.
0: They did. They did. Uh, well, you know, thank you everyone for listening. I think this is uh, if you wanna if you wanna support us in our negativity and maybe in our positivity <laughs> in the future, you know, maybe okay, hopefully, maybe next chapter will be like, oh shit, we're completely turned around on the King Chronicles.
1: Cause that's what that's what we did with *The um, Throne of Fire*, and then it turned bad again. <laughs> well, let's hope that it stays
0: good. Because you know, I would take a book with a pretty good like middle section and a shitty ending over just a shitty book all the way through. Yeah, no, that's fair. It's not even that bad. It's like fine, but because it's fine, I'm like nitpicking at this point. Yeah,
1: it's flatline. There's so many obvious areas that could have been improved from the last one that haven't been.
0: Exactly. And if you want to support us saying things like that, you can go to our Twitter, <laughs> Twitter.com slash unwisegirls. There you got links to our personal Twitters, our Discord server, our Patreon, our uh, everything. Uh, if you want to support us, you can ch- uh, leave five stars on wherever you listen. You can leave a review, say how cool you think we are and how smart our brains are. Uh, you can go to Patreon.com. We got different support levels for $1 a month you can be the role of Little Dobie, and you can be our Shabti, uh, we will smash you into a coat, and you will drive <laughs> a boat for us, and, uh, we'll, we'll be very grateful, uh, and for three dollars a month you'll get the special role of Big Ba Energy, which gives you access to all of our bonus content, including the Nectar of the Pods bonus episodes.
1: If you would like to listen to me spend ten minutes trying to convince jacqueline that um a guy from a podcast that she told me to listen to sounds exactly like the bold dude from Alvin and the chipmunks then this is the show for you
0: yeah it's it's very funny uh, <laughs> uh and jane Jane go does her second ever on on screen wordle so
1: it's significantly less frustrating than the first one.
0: That's right. Uh, and for five dollars a month you get all of that with a bag of chips you get the the roll of you get the bass head pat pass. You use it wisely. She's very protective around Brooklyn house, but if you can find your way in I guess
1: uh, she's got um, she's got like a weird mood ring bodysuit now. Oh, I forgot
0: about that. That's so weird.
1: <laughs> it's very it's very weird I is this new? This is another retcon, right? I think this is... I Maybe mean, she put on different clothes. It's fine. That's fair. Anyway, uh, I'd be curious to know what color the bodysuit turns when you like give her the head pat.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you get all the bonus content, and we'll say thank you at the end of our episode. That's our, that's uh, our head pat to you. <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank Mercy, Bowonica, friend, and Erica.
0: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And, as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See
1: you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you
0: next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye! Bye!